forget about it. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. Back with the top ten episodes. We're done talking about the Oscars and how we would change Oscars history. Sorry. And uh, today we are going to be listing our favorite gangster films. But to make things a little bit interesting for us, we're not allowed to mention The Godfather or Goodfellas, which are regarded as two of the best gangster films of all time. So just to make things a little bit interesting and, you know, make things a little harder for ourselves. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard putting these lists lists together. I'm not going to lie. Well, lists are bullshit. We know that much. Uh, yeah, what do you hear? What do you say? Um, gangster movies. I mean, it's the thing is, if we were doing a top 10 gangster film list, The Godfather would be number one. The Godfather 2 would probably be number two or three. Goodfellas would be number two or three. It's it's not so much making it harder for ourselves as making it easier because there are a lot of good gangster films out there. And, you know, so we have, we have now got more room to um, let some of those shine. So it's kind of a top 13. So you take the two Godfather films and Goodfellas, take those as red. But these are the top 10 films that are not those films. Um, but we'll probably feature some of the same actors, Lord knows. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of crossing over. A lot of crossover. Uh, how are you doing? It's uh you've been filming, right? Yeah, I was working on a short film uh recently with some friends from film school, which was a lot of fun. I was doing uh, sound recording on that. It was uh it's good fun filming uh just in the northern part of uh Zealand, Shellen, which was nice and a very uh uh a house that was sort of it, it could either be in the process of being torn down or in the process of being renovated it was kind of like a mini version of the house from home alone 2 i was going to say the, when i hear the word house being renovated i just think about home alone 2 um there was a photo on your social media of you looking very windswept and uh, and and sexy with your microphone that was our uh, first day it was actually the first time. It's actually it's the second film I've worked on where I've had animals present. Uh, the first one I did, which was last year, which was a feature film, we had a snake, and this time we had a rat. A rat? Yeah, a a rat who um, who was very well trained. He wasn't a diva. Oh, she wasn't a diva at all. Uh, she did the did the shots very well we put her in a packet of crisps she did everything she was supposed to do she jumps into a box behind and you can hear her in the background and everything like that it was really nice jesus um cool well i um i don't like rats but i guess that rat sounds like one that that you know maybe i could be persuaded to like sounds a professional a professional rat a professional um, rat yeah very, does it have, very... well, you have like a rat wrangler for that kind of thing like who who, who yeah, brings we had the a, rat? we had a uh, a woman who had was who keeps it who i think it's like i don't know if it's like been in other films or anything like that or i think she's just someone who just has a rat and it's just very easy going and you know no problems at all wow well there you go um okay so um from rats to uh, you see you know, to uh, to the to the rats to to the to the to the ratting out uh, what am I talking about? I'm talking about crime. There are rats in the crime world, um, yeah. and uh, you and dirty crime fucking rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
he uh the crime world is, rat. <laughs> is full of rats and full of jack nicholson doing rat impressions um it's also i think crime movies gangster movies gangsters are the old one of the oldest genres of of film i want to we're not these films are not in the top 10 that we're going to cover but i think i want to mention two silent films uh that are important in the development of the genre one of them is uh one of the really early um I think it's DeMille. Is it DeMille? Um, uh, it's a film called The Musketeers of Pig Alley. Um, have Sounds you seen like that? that? No, I haven't seen it. Is it available it's short, anywhere? It's a short film from 1912. I would just look it up on on, uh, on I'm gonna YouTube. Look it up. I'm going to look it up on Letterboxd. Uh, it's directed by D.W. Griffith. Um, and oh, I, it's... I, oh, I wrote Pig Belly instead of Pig Alley. Sorry. <laughs> One track mind. Um, but it has... Uh, oh, yeah, it's it... a D.W. Griffith movie. Yeah, I just said that. Um, I um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, so it's... Um... But that's one of the first like real gangster films. But another one comes out well, a, a series of films, a series of short films gets made in France a few years later, and that's Louis Feuillard's *The um, Le Vampire*, which is all about this like underworld sect that gets taken down by an intrepid copper, um, and it's full of you know a lot of the the tropes of the gangster genre um, that you'll see develop later on. So those are just two little early mentions, but should we, should we just get going with this list? Cause people want to hear our list. Yeah. Um, just, and, a brief, um, just a brief little mention. Uh, Anita Luz, who's a co-writer on the Musketeers of Pig Alley wrote really? the screenplay for the women. Yeah. And she also wrote the book, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Anita Luz is a serious um, character in, in that period of history yeah very influential need to um, watch maybe give that a watch yeah no musk musk is a pig alley it's good fun and um it um it's it's got some great uh, it's got this great like alleyway shootout between the the bad boy the bad boys the bad boys the gangsters and the police um i'll but, come here um, for a fucking shootout <laughs> yeah yeah that's okay okay look should we do our top 10 because people have places to be and you know we don't have all day yeah so at number 10 is the movie Dillinger from 1973, which is uh, written and directed by John Milius. And you may know who John Milius is for all you uh, film aficionados. He's the guy that did films like Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn, Apocalypse Now, Clear and Present Danger, Magnum Force, 1941, Jeremiah Johnson, Extreme Prejudice. He was the basis for Walter from uh, from The Big Lebowski, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> when you say he did these films, he wrote them, he didn't direct them. No, he directed a few films. He The films that he did direct were Red Dawn, Big Wednesday, and uh, The Wind and the Lion, Rough Riders, Flight of the Intruder, those kind of films. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He's basically a gun-toting uh, anti-communist nut job. Um, but um, and it comes across in this in this movie um, uh, for sure. Um, it's uh, well, Dillinger's Dillinger was a huge celebrity in his own time. You know, he was this like famous kind of Robin Hood gangster figure in the 1920s, and a lot of. Uh, money and effort was spent to bring him down and he was finally shot in tucson i think um he was gunned down in the street by the, the cop was who was walk, uh, trying to catch him no wasn't it chicago uh let me just see john dillinger uh in any case this film is uh, i mean it's 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 a lot of fun oh it wasn't chicago what the fuck am i talking about why was he 
connected to Tucson in some way. Um, are, you, are you just getting the gunfight in the OK Corral and Dillinger mixed no, up? No, <laughs> I'm not. Although, the, uh, you know what? You could, um, you could argue they were captured in Tucson, but they were not killed. Killed in Tucson, <laughs> so they were they were imprisoned there. Okay, so they were he was captured there. So you're half anyway. Right. I was half right. Um, he, uh, but, but uh, Tombstone could be against film, um, arguably. Um, in any way, uh, in any case, uh, Dillinger, directed by John Milius, we love it because it's got three. I think of our personal heroes in it, maybe even more. But I would say um, the heroes that, that are that that I that spring to mind are um, um, Warren Oates, uh, Harry, Harry Dean Stanton, Warren Oates, and Ben Johnson. Yeah. Who, are three of the great. What I love about this film is it's only character actors. There are the Warren Oates plays Dillinger, and um, Ben Johnson plays the policeman who's trying to get him. And so there's no like star. There's no Warren Beatty. There's no um, Robert De Niro. There's no you know they're the, the, all all the people in this film are character actors, and that I think makes for a lot of fun. And it feels kind of um, uh, scrappy and unofficial as a result. And Warren Oates is just one of the great personalities of American cinema in the sixties and seventies. Um, and he just does so much with this part and has, and clearly has a lot of fun uh, playing the lead. Um, I'm not sure Ben Johnson was born to be a film's narrator per se. Um, <laughs> it's not quite, he's not quite Morgan Freeman, but you know, it works. And um you know, uh, and and Harry Dean Stanton has a lot of fun in it. And Richard Dreyfus is in it. Yeah, he plays, um, plays um, Babyface Nelson. Babyface Nelson, and also yeah. uh, the late great Cloris Leachman is also in the film. Another great Cloris character. Leachman, Jeffrey That's Lewis, right. Jeffrey Lewis as well, the father of Juliet Lewis. Yeah, it's full of people that you recognise. So um, it's um, and it is a lot of fun. It feels a bit like. It's like peck and par exploitation. It's like a sort of unofficial peck and par film. It's like a, um, you know, if peck and par did this, it would probably be a lot more elegant and a lot higher on the list. But because it, um, it, uh, you know, it was directed by John Milius, it does feel a little bit amateurish. But it's still a lot of fun, and I feel like um, gives a great sense of what was going on in American cinema at this time. It's um, what did you say? It was nineteen seventy three. Yeah, nineteen seventy three. Yeah. You know, it's like we talk about this era of the Chinatown and the Godfather and, you know, these huge pictures being made. But there's a lot of these like scrappy, smaller movies coming out. And, it, um, you know, you think about the Monty Hellman Westerns, like the shooting and, you know, the Easy Rider and all that. You know, there's low budget, great films being made all over the place in the early 70s. And a lot of them are just about um, crime and um, you know, and really unsympathetic characters and drunks and and, you know, and, and a lot of them feature Warren Oates. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I think that partly, be, I think it partly comes out of the fascination with Peckinpah. I mean, he even makes some of these films. Um, and I just, I think it's, it, it's a great period for American cinema. So um, for that reason, if for no other, um, you know, I want to put Dillinger on the list. And also just because I feel like it's a very on-brand movie for, for this podcast. Um, but but I recommend it to everyone. Um, got some great shootouts. And, um, a, lot, a lot of good shootouts. A lot of blood and stuff and really really well done and um yeah. if you are going to watch one dillinger film watch this one and not the michael mann film public enemies with johnny depp and christian bale yes that's a good idea okay what let's move on to number nine 
So at number nine is the 1997 film Donnie Brasco, which is directed by Mike Newell, who directed movies like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Interesting choice of director, but he does very well. He does very well. So Donnie Brasco stars uh, Johnny Depp. He plays, uh, I can't remember. Donnie Brasco. Yeah, yeah, well, that's his cover name. I'm trying to find out. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I know. yeah, it's it's basically like it's it's like Donny Brasco is um, he. It's a fake name. He's an undercover FBI agent infiltrating the mob and all the way to the FBI. <laughs> and his real name is uh, Joseph D. Pistone. And it's got a great cast. You of course have Al Pacino who plays uh, Benjamin Lefty. Uh, Ruggiero? I can't, sorry. Ruggiero? Ruggiero. He plays Al Pacino. (laughs) He plays Al Pacino. He doesn't do do very much shouting in this film, though. No, he doesn't do very much shouting. It's an interesting film because it's it's, it's a 90s Al Pacino film, so you'd think he's going to be yelling from start to finish, but he doesn't actually yell at all. He did a lot of... He's very quiet. He's all shouted it's out that, from heat, basically. You know, it's the, there's two types of Al Pacino. There's the brain ass, you know, Al Pacino. And then there's the sort of, hey, hey, Johnny, Johnny, talk to me, talk to me, okay? Uh, that kind of Al Pacino. And this is the latter in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's like, what is that? What are you, some kind of faggot? Uh, and he's, you know, um, you know, there's all the, he's, he's this like highly macho, highly insecure character. It's actually, for my money, one of the last like truly great Al Pacino performances. I think um, I think this is Oscar worthy, you know, um, stuff from the great man. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, all, all jokes aside about his, you know, cartoonish performances, like this is a really good one. The, 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 the tragedy of this film is that Johnny Depp's Pistone undercover agent makes friends with Lefty um, played by Al Pacino, and that friendship, of course, cannot survive the film. And we know that from the very beginning. And so there's a tremendous poignancy in this, um, uh, you know, in this relationship. And Pacino really plays that well. Yeah, there's one there's one particular scene in the film towards the end, which I think is actually a very well acted moment from Al Pacino. It's sort of it's it's very much left ambiguous what happens to Al Pacino's character at the end of the film. And I think the way that Pacino plays it in this very subtle way is just really quite compelling and actually quite somber and sad and, and tragic. There's a lot of like pathos in his performance. A lot of adjectives in your description. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah sorry, but it's just like, but it's. I just remember that scene very well. And it's, it's, it's just, you know, I feel like when we talk about Al Pacino, we always talk about like, you know, Michael from The Godfather or Tony Montana or. Vincent Hanna from you know Heat. If you're a big fan of that performance, but like we did, this is actually a very everyone's un- a big fan of that performance. <laughs> Even if you don't like Heat, that performance is iconic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like don't you waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, this and this is two years after Heat. I mean, this is right in that um, in that area of his career, and you know, this is after yeah, as you say, Tony Montana and everything else. It's kind of like the point where Pacino is almost beyond parody and he pulls this out of the bag i think it's you know it's also after scent of a woman uh, and the whole you know scenery chewing nonsense of that movie um so i'm in the uh, dark here i'm in the why dark did they, that film didn't need to be made what a boring film ultimately when you look back you're like what is, what is that even about is it just a vehicle for al pacino to get an oscar because i think that is it 
It's I mean, just a, the whole point of that film is to get Al Pacino an Oscar. And what if no one needs to see a film about a blind Al Pacino going to New York to try and get some pussy and kill himself? Sorry. Like, also, just, does that film need to be two and a half hours? No. <laughs> just so not. What is it about a boarding school? It doesn't even make sense. Like, it just why does this film exist? Anyway, back to Donny Brasco, which has a really good film that exists for a very good reason. I want to say another one of them. For me, another one of the main reasons why Donnie Brasco works is you've got a great performance from Michael Madsen. Yeah, who's also who, another great character actor who doesn't really you could get put, his I dues. Wish Michael Madsen, I wish Michael Madsen existed in the 1970s uh, and could be in a... I wish you could make a film with Michael Madsen and Warren Oates uh, and yeah. Lee Marvin. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been an amazing and Ro- movie. And Robert Mitchum and James Coburn. Um <laughs> Uh, a lot of a lot of drinking would have been done on that set, but <laughs> and directed yeah. and directed by Peckinpah. If Peckinpah was directing it, there would be a lot of drinking. Yeah, it would be co-directed by Peckinpah and John Milius. Uh, it would be written by written and produced by John Milius, directed by Sam Peckinpah. That would be some hell of a movie. I'd watch that. Um, but um, but you know he's 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 terrific in this. Um, so is what's his face um, from. Uh, uh, the the sort of the oh, what's it, the guy who's also in Good Morning Vietnam? Um, he's another one of the gangsters. Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. Yeah, he's really good in this. Um, also, small role for Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti and Tim Blake Nelson. They have like a very quick scene. Another good scene is where he's explaining "Forget about it" and all That's that, that sort scene of stuff. With them. Yeah, that's such a fun moment. Yeah, yeah. If you remember Donnie Brasco for one thing, it's the phrase "forget about it." Forget about um, it, which they do say quite a lot in that movie. But it's interesting. Yes, like, and in and in the Sopranos, this is another one of those pre-Sopranos movies as well. I mean, and that's the other thing. Yeah. By the yeah. way, when we talk about top ten gangster films that aren't The Godfather, the whole the the elephant in the room here is that the best gangster treatment that has happened since. Well, there's two really. There's The Sopranos and the, there's The Wire. Yeah. Well, no, the, the the television really has been where the gangster story has been told most iconically since those since Goodfellas. Yeah, I think like gangster films in the sort of later part of the nineties, I think didn't quite. I mean, I think Donny Brasco was probably like the last great one up until maybe like The Irishman or something like that. Because then The Irishman isn't a great one. The Irishman's okay. It's a yeah, nice but, comeback. But it's, yeah. not, it's not, it doesn't need to be made more, you know, you don't need to make more of it than it is. Yeah, but I feel like gangster films became a little bit pastiche, I think, with films like Mickey Blue Eyes and Analyze This. I think once they became a little bit, once they leaned. Well, people started taking the piss out of them, like Bond films. They became the gangster. Um, Gangster spoofs became their own genre, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, there's like this kids' film that came out, I think, in 2002 or 2003, which is called Sea Spot Run, which is about like a, a, a police dog that has the hit, that has like a hit put out on it by the mob. Like the mob wants to kill a dog because it ruined a drug bust or like it, it, it busted them for drugs. I want him dead. I want his puppies dead. I want his doghouse burned to the ground. <laughs> and it's like, it's such a like weird film and it's got. Um, uh, Vincent, uh, what's his name? Shripper from uh, The Sopranos, who plays uh, uh, Bobby Bacala and um, Paul Savino, and all these like actors and stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's, Jesus I mean, it, 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 a film I enjoyed as a child, but it's a film I probably wouldn't enjoy now. No, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? So, anyway, I do think this has a great, um, you can anticipate some of the, 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 
the things that make The Sopranos so good in this film, the sense of tragedy, the sense of like toxic masculinity, the violence uh, is shocking in, in, um, in um, Donnie Brasco. So I think, it's, I think it's a really good movie. Um, and um, Johnny, Depp, Johnny Depp is quite good. <laughs> you know, Johnny Depp, when he, when he wants to, he's a good actor. He's a very when he wants good, to be a good actor. Yeah, I think, bef- I think everything he does pre-Jack Sparrow is very good. Everything? Mostly everything. Everything? Mostly everything? He's done a lot of crap, Anders, in his career. And let's not forget, we shouldn't even be mentioning his name because, you know, he's been cancelled. So, um, but mean, still. But depending who you talk to, there's people who are... Yeah, so like, allegedly. 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 Been... Ale- like, justice for Johnny yeah. Depp. Talking about, talk about putting a hit out on someone, am I right? No, wait. Um, uh, but um... but um, I will say this. Anne Hesch, who plays uh, Donnie Brasco's wife in the film... Mrs. Brasco. Mrs. Brasco. Mrs. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Brasco. Yeah. Uh, she does very well, which could maybe be interpreted as a thankless role, but I think she does pretty good with it. It is a totally thankless role, and she does all she can with it, yeah. It's not a great movie, but it is a good-ass gangster movie, and I think it's a very interesting film. It does and have I think... one of my favorite moments of the movie. It's where the, it, it's nothing to do... It's not This like film a... is one of the favorite moments of this film? Oh, what are you sorry. talking about? I'm sorry. It, it, it has <laughs> one of... You... Sorry. It has a good moment. It has a good one of my favorite moments in the film. Sorry, I'm I've been working all week. I'm very tired and I'm a bit hungover as well. So that's that's why. <laughs> okay, so your brain is like scrambled eggs. Anyway, try and say the thing you're trying to say. This is your brain on drugs. But anyway, so one of my favorite moments in Donnie Brasco, it's not like a gangster hit or a tent scene or anything like that. It's just them sitting out by a pool reading the newspaper that says John Wayne has died and Michael Madsen is like, how could John Wayne die? And then Al Pacino's like, fucking Indians got him. <laughs> yeah, that is a good moment. I, I, the whole bit in Florida is very is very interesting. Um, I love the bit where they are in their little shitty pool hall where they have their like HQ in New York and they're all like joking around and making hijinks and all of a sudden... Madsen just punches Bruno Kirby in the face and the mood just like changes and his like persona and bigness comes to the fore. Um, yeah, it's a bit he's, he's, he's great. When he was good, he was very, very good. Michael Madsen. Yeah, he's kind of stuck in straight to DVD land these days. He's like, in, he, he's in the, the Tom Sizemore reverse. Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I mean, Tom Sizemore made some pretty bad decisions in his life. It's a, yeah. Put Tom Sizemore, Michael Madden, and Lee Marvin and all those people in the same film. I mean, really, you could you just get this, like, Hollywood mavericks and shove them all into the same movie somehow if you had a time machine. No, yeah. I'd love that. It'd be like, a, the, be like a really gravelly, growly movie. Yeah. So, uh, that would be... Uh, anyway, enough of that. Uh, watch Donnie Brasco. It's good. Number eight. Uh, at number eight is a Jimmy Cagney film, The Roaring Twenties. Directed by Raoul Walsh. Yeah, we had to have um, we had to have a, a film from the 1930s in here. This just qualifies. It came out in 1939. Um, you know, the 30s is the era that cements the gangster film. Unfortunately, the genre has kind of been perfected since then. So this is our only entry on this list from America from the 1930s. Um, you know, you could say Howard Hawks' Scarface is very, very good. It is. Uh, you could talk about Public Enemy. You can talk about uh, Scott, uh, the Little Caesar, which actually I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen it either. I would like to. I think you have it on DVD in America. I do, um, but um, yeah. So you know, it's 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 a rich vein, but you know, one which 
which I think you could do a top 10 of 1930s gangster films, but it would be hard to argue that they all belong in the top 10 of gangster films or more than a couple belong in the top 10 of gangster films of all time. So um, the Roaring Twenties is, is a lot of fun. You know, uh, James Cagney you know, comes back from fighting in the war and he's, um, you know, gets into the, you know, gets into organized crime and um, uh, Bogart is the bad guy, uh, which is great to have. And um you know, and you've got this, uh, you've, you've, you've got this kind of epic drama that plays out and that ends with, you know, one of the great kind of like, um, you know, images of, of, of gangster cinema of the 30s where James Cagney dies in the arms of this, of his, uh, uh, you know, of the woman who loves him, but he doesn't love back, uh, but his kind of partner in crime in this uh, nightclub, he dies in her arms on the steps of a church in the snow. It's such a great moment. And um, he used to be uh, a big shot. He used to be a big shot, exactly. Um, and Cagney is such a great man for the gangster role. You know, he is this, he has this physicality because he was a wonderful dancer that lends itself, you know, to being able to move with a certain kind of criminal confidence, but also his his patter, his his voice is so uh, adapt to the kind of fast talking uh, wise guy of the of the 1930s. Um, and um and it's interesting watching a film about the Roaring Twenties, you know, from the vantage point of the next decade. It would be like, you know, someone making a film about the 2010s now, um, or the 20 or the or the noughts. You know, it's interesting that close uh, proximity, but so many of the the stereotypes are, are right there and kind of persist uh, right through. You know, some of the films we'll talk about higher up the list. Um, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it's it's dance halls and tommy guns and uh, you know the hide the bootlegging and all all the rest of it. So um, it's all yeah, good. It's, it's all good it's, fun. <laughs> it's all good fun. And uh, but I, but I do think that there are serious stakes in uh, you know in 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 the the Roaring Twenties. There's the classic thing of you know he loses his way because he he falls for a you know a, a woman who he he can never have because she's too she's too pure. Um, and um, and he um, yeah he's he's just. Uh, 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 you know, it's in that era where you know the gangster cannot win. You know, this is not this is not Michael Corleone. He has to get his his judgment or his comeuppance. Yeah, he, it doesn't you know, crime does not crime does not pay, uh, but it sure is fun um, along the along the way. Um, yeah, I think it's so. it's one of I think like this and Angels with Dirty Faces. I think these are the two like great Jimmy Cagney gangster films. Well, I think other people would say. Also, White Heat and The Public Enemy. I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen White Heat yet. No, have I. That's the made it my top of the world yeah. one. Um, Public Enemy, grapefruit in the face. Yes, um, but yeah, I think I think the um, you know Cagney's just just tremendous. But yeah, this film has this film has some great uh, great moments of of Cagneyisms, and um, and then there's um, you know it's also fun to see Bogart emerging. Um, as a as a kind of a star in this oily villainous role, um, yeah, because he, he, he was trying to get away from a lot of those villain roles before being the hero actor that he was. Yeah, and he would actually get a big break in another Raoul Walsh film, High Sierra, um, that, which uh, is also a kind of a gangster film actually, but is not on our list. Um, and that was, although he played a, a, a gangster in that, that was his first one of his first like big starring roles, and of course, shortly. Thereafter, Maltese Falcon happens, and then the rest is history. But um, 
you know, it's, um, I, I think it's, I think from the, if you were, if I was going to be recommending a place to start with 1930s gangsters films, I think you could do a lot worse than recommend the Roaring Twenties. It's, um, it is, as I say, really good fun. And, um, and it's got some great performances and it's, you know, it's about two hours, so not too long. Yeah. And um, yeah. If we were doing um, an alternative Oscars episode, I would say maybe giving an Oscar nomination for Jimmy Cagney in this film. Oh yeah. Well, we did, uh, we did cover 1939 forgot about that one i can't remember who we i can't remember who we did but anyway um so uh we could do an alternative oscars 1939 part two <laughs> an alternative alternative oscars um uh, what about number seven what's at number seven so at number seven i know that we can't mention goodfellas but i think we have to we have to bring in a scorsese film you know he he he's made so many great gangster films and um, this is a film that's very early in his career. So before this, he had made a film called Boxcar Bertha with uh, David Carradine and Barbara Hershey. And it was the famous John Cassavetes who said to him, that's a really good movie, but don't you ever do a film like this again. And then he did a film that was for himself. Like Boxcar Bertha was a movie for them, the studio. And he did Mean Streets, which is at number seven in this list, which was for himself. So this was like his big 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 break which really opened up a lot of doors for him and um also you know brought robert de niro into the into the fold into the sort of you know into mainstream cinema yeah i mean i love mainstream streets i think um a lot of people find it perhaps a little bit confusing you know that it's essentially a film that you can tell they spent the entire budget on getting the music rights um and then uh, the rest of the, the the production values perhaps suffer but i think it gives it a kind of a, a, a an earthy quality and a and a you know a, a, almost like a neo-realist quality in places um de niro is brilliant and uh, so is harvey keitel um there's another there's a bunch of other good performances in this movie. yeah david uh proval who is in um who's in the sopranos season two he plays richie april he doesn't play Richie Aprile on this. No, he doesn't play Richie Aprile, but he plays Richie Aprile in the in the. Well, who's he playing this? I'll just I'll try, I'll 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 find it. <laughs> in any case, this is. I mean, I I will say that while the music's not very good in this, the editing, which is obviously Thelma Schoonmaker, right, um, is um, maybe. It's got to be. Um, no, no, it was Sydney Levin. Oh well, Sydney. Well, he does a very good job. Apologies to Sydney. Um, he and um, the 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 whole the you know the way they use the city is so brilliant. You know the locations and um, and all the little you know street scenes and restaurants and nightclubs and and I just I love the way this film treats music, drunkenness, hijinks, um, and it's all you know. Partly it's all in good fun until it isn't. You know, it's like there's that fight scene in the pool hall, which I love is just that like, scene. I love that scene. Boys having a fight, isn't it? It's just like dumb boys. But then it, you know, it does get violent at the end, and um, tragic there is a, as well. Yeah, there is a real free spiritedness to this film that I I really love, and it's a it's a great uh, hangout film, but also a great film about Catholicism and guilt and all the rest. It's such a Scorsese film. It is so you so feel the the author's voice in this film. Like there are moments when you hear Keitel's voiceover, where you're convinced that it's Scorsese's own you know, in a monologue that's, uh, you know, that's being played out. Um, yeah. And it's so yeah. his, in his voice. 
Um, and uh, Scorsese, of course, has a little role in the film. Um, yeah, he's as the, well. he's, he's uh, in the car at the end. He's in one of the cars at the end of the movie. Yes, and um, uh, you know, so he's he's got his you know his presence is 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 felt in more ways than one. But um, David Carradine, yeah, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people well. are down on this. What uh, David Carradine is also in the movie as well for a brief is moment. He? Yeah, he's the drunkard who gets shot. The drunkard who gets shot. Yeah, it's in that scene in the bar where he's like the drunk and then he's in the bathroom and then someone walks in there and shoots him. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. How could I forget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That is, that's a weird scene. Yeah. Um, also, I just yeah. want, I just need, I'm just going to check the IMDB to find out who the actual, the other actor is who shoots him because I think it actually is a relation to him. It's Robert Carradine who shoots him. It is. Yes. Oh God, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, there's so many weird little things in this film. It 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 has a certain dreamlike quality to it as well. Like it's a kind of a collage um, of you know of 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 this kind of chaotic world of crime. Um, it feels like it's on a continuum that will eventually lead to The Sopranos as well, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it definitely leads to like something like you know Goodfellas or Taxi Driver. Which, right? yeah, I, and Goodfellas leads. <laughs> straight into the Sopranos. I think in terms of this film leading to the Sopranos, you know, that con- that concern with the psychological side of the main character, certainly, and that sort of wrestling with different conflicting emotions regarding religion, sexuality, and the work that he's doing is, is very... Um, is very very similar to Sopranos, so I think there's definitely some mean streets in there, and of course, the cast members in common. Very um, uh, Italian American movie. Oh yeah, very yeah, very the, yeah. The the, the 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 exactly again that that's the other thing you know the focus on Italian American identity, um, you know even more than the Godfather. I think Scorsese's films really sort of interrogate. I hate that word interrogate, but examine. Um, examine the, the 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 nature of italian american identity sort of especially with regards to catholicism and a kind of crime culture um yeah. sopranos so, takes that a little bit further yes exactly there's another yeah another connection but i mean you look at the films on our list and it's like every other film practically is um is about <laughs> you know, italian americans <laughs> but there are other types of gangsters that will that will get to yeah. um notably the irish um but uh yeah mean streets i think as i say as i started to say earlier i think people are down on this film sometimes um i think a lot of people skip over it or don't consider it as big of a as big of a deal as they should um maybe they're right i certainly love it i think it's um i think it's a really 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 good film um and i think it's wonderful to see kind of where he starts and it's great to see where de niro starts for example just de niro's um energy in this film is just so incredible and i think um this performance ranks among his best so um it's very it's very cag- it's very cagney-esque in it is some very cagney-esque yeah. yeah yeah it is anyway um great film number uh, six number six is snatch from guy ritchie <laughs> yes um i i think this had this is another one of those like you know for us this is a childhood favorite isn't it, yeah, I mean, it it's, is. it's a personal favorite <laughs> It's a great um, British gangster comedy. <laughs> it is a, it is a comedy, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very it's a funny. Uh, is it a, it's a crime farce. It's a, um, it's a confluence of all the things that you and I, I think, delight in 
films, you know, take delight in in films. You know, you've got a great cast of brilliant character actors. You've got um, fantastic use of music, editing that enhances the style, but also the comedy, um, you know, quotable lines um, and and just sort of an endless series of of delightful scenes that you know, where, you know, death is cheap, but also the laughs are pretty good. You know, yeah. so it is, um, it is a very, very funny uh, and very of its time film. I mean, it is so turn of the century Britain, you know, confident, cheeky, um, kind of winking at the audience, you know, mockney stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, you've got, you got Vinnie Jones playing a hitman for yeah. fuck's sake. I mean, it's, it's just... It's very aware of what it is. Yeah, but it also is done with enormous panache. And it's got some fantastic one-liners. It's got really good performances in there. You know, you've got your Jason Stathams. You've got your... Um, uh, Stephen Grahams. What, Stephen Graham. What's his name? The uh, wonderful American actor. Uh, Dennis, Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina. Uh, Sit down you know, and shut up, you big ball fuck. <laughs> uh, and you, um, Benicio del Toro, uh, Benicio, Brad Benicio Pitt. del Toro's in it. Um, Brad Goldie. Pitt, <laughs> Brad Pitt, yeah. Um, a white like, knight, <laughs> and of course, it's got maybe the great greatest villain of um, British gangster films in the form of Bricktop, who's played by what's his name, um, Alan Ford. Yeah, who actually just, who actually does feature in another film on this list uh who's just so good um and um and he, that scene where he talks about getting rid of a body using pigs is still just sublime i mean his, his the way he sits behind those big thick glasses is like ghastly um threats and things like that is just no he, he he's just an impeccable uh character and brilliantly played um and uh, yeah no, yeah the the the, the plot is is it's it also deals you know we're talking when we talk about the time the plot has um the tendency to sort of ape tarantino and other films of this era that like to sort of pull a fast one on the audience at the end and skip around in time and present kind of different angles on the same happenings to kind of explain how it all went down um so in the same way that like dillinger is a product of the early 70s and peckinpah i feel like you can really feel the tarantino influence in this film yeah it's yeah you yeah guy Ritchie and Tarantino they're very you know one and the same pretty much well I don't think they're one and the same but I feel like they're they're products of a similar you know they have similar inclinations and I do feel like Guy Ritchie is kind of piggybacking on Tarantino's um success you know to some extent um so uh so yeah um it's yeah it's just so much fun such a fun film and um fun uh you know Tyrone and those characters, you and silly fat the, the whole robbery of the bookies. <laughs> yeah, there's the robbery scene of the bookies is so goddamn funny. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's it's terrific. If you have, if for some reason you haven't seen Snatch, please please watch it. Um, you will not uh, you will not regret it. Um, do we have any um, do we have any correspondence? Uh, do we have any other suggestions from the audience of films that should be on this list? Yeah, I um. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to find some. I got a. I was. I posted this on Twitter and on my Instagram profile, and I got com- and um, on my Instagram story. And uh, my old uh, film school buddy Will Derbyshire, and um, he sent me a bunch of uh, films. He sent me a Bronx Tale, 
Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's uh, Robert De Niro's uh, directorial debut. Oh, cool. It's based off a play, a one-man play by uh, Chaz Palminteri, who also stars in the movie. Oh, cool. It's a very, very good film, and it has a great little cameo from Joe Pesci as well. Uh, The Untouchables. Of course. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the um, Chicago way, and that's how you get Capone. The spoiler alert: uh, the um, uh, the um, Untouchables uh, does not feature on this list. No, it does not. Uh, Carlito's Way, which is uh, Brian De Palma's uh, 1993 film, is second collaboration with Al Pacino after uh, Scarface, which I think is a little bit better than Scarface. It's a really, really great film and also another underrated film and also a great performance from Al Pacino. You think you're big time? You're gonna fucking die big time! Right, so we're in yelly Al Pacino mode here. It's like, okay, I'm reloading! Come on, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, so I haven't seen that. Um, it's it's It just missed out on this list. <laughs> Sorry. It's a really, really good movie. And also, it's it's just a, and also a very tragic movie as well. It's a fantastic film. And Sean Penn is also amazing in it. He plays like this crazy drug-addled lawyer in the film hmm. with crazy, crazy curly hair. Slightly hyperactive, but yes. Um, Has a few actors from the Sopranos, uh, not the Sopranos, Scarface. Uh, one of them is, uh, who plays one of his henchmen. Scar- Tony's henchman is in the film. He has like a little cameo. And the guy who um, who chainsaws, who's, who's the guy with the chainsaw in, the, in Scarface, he's also in uh, Carlito's Way briefly as well. Okay, that's not very interesting. Carry on. Um, <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Again, another... Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I've seen that film once. I need to go back and deal with it. It's not in our... It's I, <sighs> It's been a really long time since I've seen it, so I don't... I, I, I felt like adding it. I don't the... feel qualified to talk about Once Upon a Time in America right now. I need to go back and examine that. That's like four hours of a lot of head-scratching that I... Yeah, it's... um. Suffice to say, there are images from that film that are completely emblazoned in my mind um, all these years later. But um, and it's it's undeniably a great film. I just don't. Yeah, right now we just don't have the bandwidth to talk about Once Upon a Time in America. It needs its own podcast. Um, but I appreciate that suggestion. Yeah, uh, Casino, which no, is uh, Scorsese's uh, film uh, with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and uh, Sharon Stone which um, came out five years after Goodfellas. It's sort of considered Goodfellas 2, but it's still a pretty good film, and it's able to stand on its own and showing how the mob ruled Las Vegas in the 70s and the 80s. Um, yeah. Great cinematography as well. I think it was the first time that Martin Scorsese had worked with uh, Robert Richardson, who's worked with like Tarantino and Oliver Stone and people like that. And um, it's great just to see De Niro and Joe Pesci just going at each other. The desert scene of the film is just so good. It's just like, get this through your head, you motherfucker, you. You only exist out here because of me. Yeah, Joe Pesci is a gift to the to the gangster genre. It's the Goodfellas in Casino are on they're in like the the they're in the like top 10 of the films with like the 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 most uses of the word fuck and i think that's mostly owed to al no not al pacino joe pesci yeah yeah no that 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 makes that that checks out uh any other suggestions from the audience uh also he also will mentioned uh donnie brasco 
Ah, good man. Um, excellent. Any other any other replies? Uh, on Twitter, on our Twitter page, uh, Anthony. Uh, I don't know his last name. It's his his profile name is Anthony Taylor's version, and his uh, Twitter handle is at Monkey Noodles. You mean you his name his his. You said his Twitter name is Anthony Taylor's well, his, version. Well, his I don't I, I well, his 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 the I mean, his name might be Anthony Taylor. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm just like going out on a limb here. <laughs> okay. He's his his Twitter handle is at Monkey Noodles. Give him a follow. All right. Well, maybe actually now I look at his profile and it's like he does say Anthony brackets Taylor's version. So yeah. maybe his last name is Monkey Noodles. Yeah, he's from San Antonio, Texas. That's interesting. Um, so what does he say? He wrote the Untouchables. Yeah, Public Enemies. Okay. I'm really sorry we haven't put that on the list. <laughs> Public Enemies. Well, uh, see our uh, mention of the the Dylan Jeff. Public Enemies is not a good film. I haven't seen it, but it's not a good film, right? It's okay. It's not Michael Mann's best movie. It's not top ten, Anthony. Try 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 harder. Sorry. But if, the, but if the, but if that is his favorite gangster film, that's fine. Yeah, all are welcome. Lists are bullshit, including ours. Yeah, and uh, Public Enemy. Well, the Public Enemy, James Cagney. Oh yeah. You see, I haven't seen that, but I I appreciate that. It's probably yeah. That's a good list. It's a very um, good, good little trio. Is so, that all we got? Yeah, that's all we got. Yeah. Did you did you put any on Facebook or anything? So we do. No, I did. I, for, I forgot to put it on no, Facebook. Facebook. Fucking bullshit. We're talking about lisping bullshit. Facebook. All right. Well, anyway, uh, next week, write in, um, and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll read out your entries. Um, number five. Yeah. Oh no. Should we do our honourable mentions? Because I think we've got a lot of honourable mentions actually. Yeah. Um, I, I just. I've got uh, one. Again, I've I just want to. Not... I just want to say what? thank you to Anthony and Will for their suggestions. Anthony brackets Taylor's version and Monkey Noodles and Will. Uh, Will, what was his name? Uh, Derbyshire. Will Derbyshire. Um, good, good, good man. Uh, thank you for writing in. Um, number five. Oh no. Would you want to uh, do mentions. Our, our mentions? Yeah. So one of mine is uh, Brighton Rock, um, the Graham Greene adaptation with Richard Attenborough as Pinky. Um, it's a, it's very much a Peaky Blinders kind of. Uh, style of gangster film but it's it's all well it's not really Peaky Blinders but it's you know it's um it's razor blades and horse racing and things like that and, and a lot of uh cockney posturing on the south coast um good film though um and uh I haven't seen it I really want to oh it's great I also want to mention the uh the Phoenix City story um which has some absolutely tremendous scenes in it um and a brilliant performance from uh John McIntyre. And it's based on a true story about this sort of mob-run town in the south, um, which was cleaned up by this like crusading um, attorney general. Um, so it's kind of one of those like a guy goes on the um, goes after the criminals rather than a sort of gangster film per se. But it's, um, it's a really good movie and very underseen. It was directed by Phil Carlson. Um, quite hard to get hold of, but I would. It is available on Apple TV for one ninety nine in America, so I would certainly say that's two dollars well spent. Um, for one ninety nine, you um, can rent the Phoenix City story and watch it in your home. Exactly, or you know, at a bus stop. Um, but um, <laughs> probably best to do it in your home. I uh, that's that's a great film. Another American gangster film of the seventies that I absolutely love is uh, well, it's, I don't know, it's not really a gangster film. It's certainly a crime film. Is the Friends of Eddie Coyle, uh, where Robert Mitchum. Um, plays really a tragic um, figure in this. It, it's it's arguable whether it's a gangster film or not, but I just wanted to give it a um, 
give it a, a, a an airing here because it's a splendid, splendid film. Um, I mentioned High Sierra earlier, um, and um, and then though in the in the late nineties and noughties, there's also a spate of Danish gangster films. I haven't seen the Pusher ones. Um, They're pretty good. But, uh, I'd say the some... third one's pretty good. I think the third Pusher film is my favorite. That's actually the one no. that feels like a real like gangster movie. Those Nicholas Vinding Refn, but then there's also the sort of gangster comedies that were made in Denmark, um, like Blinking Lights and um, uh, the the problematically named in China they eat dogs and Old Men in New Cars. Uh, Blinking Flickering Lights is a, is a is a great film um, and really really funny um, and yeah. an absolutely knockout cast uh, and um, yeah um, worth worth checking out if you get the chance got all the great danish actors at it including mass mickelson that's right um so those are those are my, I mean, then there's drive i guess but you know it's i don't know drive is that a gangster film or is that like a weird kind of modern western i don't know i don't know, I, I, I don't know. neo-noir urban western Neo yeah yeah it's 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 definitely a crime film or car, but it, it's car film a gangster film has its own yeah it's, it's also a car film it's a gangster film has got to have its own I don't know. I was like, because like I was looking through other lists online, and other people had put films on there that aren't really gangster films. I saw I can't remember which website it was, but someone put Point Break on there. That's not a gangster film. That's a heist a robbers film. film. That's yeah, a robbers. Heist that's film. a film about robbers, and 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 that's why Heat is not on here. Also because Heat's ridiculous. But um, you know, who, uh, no, that, that's that's Central Woman again. Let's oh. not uh, stray onto. Um, that but yeah like heat's not a sexy beast that's a heist film um you know there's lots of bonnie and clyde they're robbers they're not gangsters um gangsters you know films about the mob i also think a gangster film like another one i thought about putting on the list is the big heat but i think gangster films are not films about crusading cops taking down the mob they're about the gangsters themselves and they're told from that point of view and this is why i also think untouchables isn't necessarily uh well, it does qualify because it is, it's also about fucking Al Capone, but it's, it's the reason why, okay, the reason why Untouchables isn't on this list is that it's kind of like the gangster version of Heat. It's a good film, but if you strip away the iconic one-liners and some of the sort of ridiculous moments in the film, is it a great film? Like when you take away the sort of the baseball bat beating scene, the shootout on the steps, it's like, it's quite cheesy, and the cheesiness is personified in large part by Kevin Costner, um, and by some of the like when he throws the guy off the building at the end, and he's like, "Do you sound anything like that?" And it's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, and that's what are you the awesome. doing? <laughs> the the air of, in that film disappears when Sean Connery leaves the film. Yeah, that's it's just, true. It just yeah. stops being good. And also, where's well, the old man fight in the alleyway? So there's a lot of scenes that didn't need to be in there. So I don't. I think the Untouchables is not top ten material. Sorry, Anthony, but um, no, that's uh, just. Well, yeah. it was Anthony and Will that mentioned it. Yeah. All right. Sorry, both. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, everyone who cares about movies. But you know, lists are bullshit. And my opinions are bullshit. But I just can't. I just can't, in good conscience, put the untouchables in the top 10 um i can't do it cotton <laughs> yeah so what about your honorable mentions uh i put the irishman which i think is a pretty good um i think it's a pretty good gangster film not a great gangster film but it's pretty good for what it is 
it is yeah the bit where though the, the bit where robert de niro beats up the guy and you can see he's been digitally de-aged but when he's walking you can totally see that that's a guy in his yeah, 70s i think so part, i think that that was a very like watching that in the cinema and i was like oh you could have easily done that in a much better way it's also way too long <laughs> it's way too oh, long oh yeah watching that in the cinema too i was watching it in the grand theater in copenhagen and by the end of it i couldn't really stand up i was just like having to like crack my back to get out of the seat it was just like oh, it's a long film but um it's a good film there are some great moments in it though and joe pesci's wonderful yeah and al pacino is pretty good as well yeah, and the final scenes with De Niro are very, very fine. Yeah. But, oh, I think really could have cut a bunch out or, I don't know, turned it into a miniseries or something. I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, yeah. Any uh, others? Uh, I put Eastern Promises, the uh, David... Oh, that's very good. Yeah. The David Cronenberg film, which is about Russian gangsters in London, which is uh, a good film. Very Actually, actually pretty, pretty good and strong. I, out of, like, sort of his david cronenberg's non-body horror films it's actually really good yeah uh there is there are some absolutely iconic scenes in that film including Viggo mortensen having a naked fight to the death with some hitmen in a sauna so um yeah in that, a steam room that's a, with, so, with knives with with you know yeah that's one of those films that every guy watching is just like <gasps> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know so, i remember watching that with with mum and dad and that was just like a really like oh this is really violent just well. a nice film to watch with your parents <laughs> yeah um, exactly but they enjoyed it they did like it a lot oh it's a good film uh what else have you got i put king of new york which is uh features probably the best christopher walken performance of all time where he plays a gangster who's just come out of prison called frank white who uh, sets out and says, like, I want to be mayor. And uh, sending out... It's very kind of like an urban Robin Hood kind of movie where he's basically killing off any gangsters. He doesn't like how they work and essentially trying to save... You know, I think there's a, a part of the film where he's... Um, there's this children's hospital that he's trying to save by, you know, drug... By, you know, basically doing gangster stuff and the police this film sounds insane it's insane and abel ferrara is a very insane director he's the guy that he did bad lieutenant with uh, harvey keitel it's a great film it's got bad cops you've got you've got not harvey keitel you've got david caruso uh, wesley snipes uh, victor argo you've got lawrence fishburne who's brilliantly unhinged as one of frank white's uh henchmen steve buscemi has a little cameo in the film Oh, wow. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is also in the film. Paul Calderon. It's a lot of uh, uh, Abel Ferrara company men uh, in the film. It's actually, I think it's my, out of the films I've seen of Abel Ferrara's, um, uh, it's it's actually my favorite. Uh, and he's not one who shies away from intensity and violence, if, if people are familiar with his work. Piece of trivia about Giancarlo Esposito I found out the other day. Do you know where he was born? Copenhagen. Oh, all right, shit. I know you already knew that. Uh, okay. Um, cool. Any other? Any other? I put layer uh, cake on here because actually that's a pretty good gangster film. Oh yeah, that's very good. Um, that's that is a really good film. That's that's top ten worthy. But I I think I just love Snatch so much. I can't. Whoops. That don't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no. The movie. Uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? Um, but I. Uh, yeah, that is layer cakes. Great. Um, but, um, you know, 
is it a yeah it is a gangster film it is a gangster film yeah. uh, what about that bollywood film you were telling me about yeah so I, I think one of the last films that they we had screened at the european film college was this big five hour bollywood movie a gangster bollywood film called gangs of vasipur it was split up into two films and it's just like the right it's it's set over like 40 years this whole story about warring warring families and everything like that and it's just a really really great film it's so much fun it's crazy it's absolutely insane i don't know how readily available it is but if anyone like has it or like can find it anywhere just watch it it's 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 really really great um a lot of like laugh out loud moments and people it was a real big hit with the audience that watched it at my film school wow oh actually we haven't really talked about um any films from the sort of cinema of uh japan or china or korea or india yeah, you know, i need to watch more this. japanese uh gangster films or just asian gangster yeah. films i mean the only i mean the only gangster film i can think of is from hong kong is a better tomorrow the john woo film with chow yun fat yeah i mean there's there's internal is it internal affairs or infernal affairs i think it's infer- um, infernal affairs that's the basis for the depart. The Departed could get an honourable mention. That's a gangster film. Yeah, it is. Um, that's not on our list either. Um, the Departed. But uh, the, there's a the film that's nowhere near top ten worthy, but is completely nuts as well as a film I watched recently called Tokyo Drifter, um, which um, is that on is, the Criterion Channel? It, oh, it was anyway. I don't know if it still is, but it's very, very uh, weird film, <laughs> and but really stylized and sort of. Com- it's like the. The, the, it's like a sort of 60s new wave meets like really camp sort of Japanese um, I don't know I don't even know how to describe it it's very very yeah. over the top and extremely silly in places but um, you know worth a watch um, it's a uh, yeah um, uh, 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 it's it's a, I don't know, a head scratcher um, shall we crack on with our list yeah so we're in the top five now next on the list is, in the, is uh, sorry the next film on the list is a film that Guy Ritchie pretty much owes his whole career to and that is the Bob Hoskins movie The Long Good Friday which is just great and Bob Hoskins is just commanding as hell and Helen Mirren is in the film as well she plays his wife and not like a very cliched like gangster wife like she's a real like proper like well-developed character in the film and is actually you know Mm -hmm. involved with his business it isn't just like you know you know know, when we were talking about the roaring 20s and the cat and the the female character in the film Yeah, yeah Helen Mirren is like the complete opposite of that and it has a very 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 uh early performance from a 007 Pierce Brosnan. Oh, interesting. Does um, when you say Guy Ritchie wasn't involved with this film, no, no, he? no. But it's like I think because it's like a, it's it's I think it his, sort of helps to create the universe that he operates. Yeah, in. yeah, very much, very much so. I think it, he owes his whole career to that film, and he even re- I think he even actually he he does actually reference uh, the Long Good Friday in um, in a scene from his. Uh, his latest, well, one of his latest films, uh, The Gentleman. Mm. So, um, so what makes the film so good? I haven't seen it. It's just like it's it's just a re- it's a, it's 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 an exciting film. It's also very suspenseful as well because. Um, but they mean the same thing, don't they? Yeah, but it, it, 
yeah well it's it's very suspenseful it, it um it's about bob hoskins plays a gangster who's trying to go straight he's trying to do a deal with these uh, american guys who've come to london on good friday and uh, while he's trying to do this deal that will set him you know you know set him into retirement um some people start in his organization start getting bumped off and uh, one of them is uh, pierce brosnan who's this ira hitman and um you know there's like a bomb is in his uh casino uh his his mother who goes to church nearly gets killed in a bomb in a car bomb and he's basically trying to keep his head above water and you know get out alive and and trying to figure out like why is this happening to me and everything like that so it's really like interesting the way like how the film carries on and showing like why he's you know you know he's he's being targeted by the by uh, the ira or the ira are involved yeah because it's like there's a reference to a, something that happened in belfast and it's revealed later in the film why there's like a re i mean bob hoskins is just fantastic he just completely just is you know he just he just just the find your words Andy. sorry the camera, camera <laughs> the camera You're just, just overwhelmed <laughs> by Bob he's just amazing in the film like the the he, the camera loves him and he's just commanding the screen he just he's so good and he's just like a mafia I shit him and there's been a real time of peace but now there's been an eruption he is um the late great Bob Hoskins is uh just he always is you know is is a treat to watch um and he can do so many things i think he's i think he's one of those actors who if um you know if people don't watch out he might be a little bit forgotten i think he's so good in everything he's in um he's such a loss he died far too young um yeah but he's, yeah. he's he's i need to see this film it's been on my list for a long time it's a really good um, film and, and it, is, it does it, have Brit- it's considered it is considered one of the great uh, gangster films also one of the great films of from england yeah, yeah, one of the great London films. We should do a top ten London films at some mm. point. Um, yeah, no. Um, there's some, I, I will, there's some wonderful will, acting from Bob Hoskins, particularly in the final scene. Well, I don't, don't give anything away because I haven't seen it, but I will. Uh, I will. I'll, I'll do that. I'll fix that right away. And I think um, I'm sure those of you out there who've seen it will agree because uh, I'm always seeing it referenced on film Twitter as a great movie. Um, it does have a couple and, of Guy Ritchie. Uh, actors in the film one of which is alan ford who plays um uh bricktop he's in the movie he plays one of uh bob hoskins uh men mm. then there's uh ph moriarty who played in um lock stock and two smoking barrels he was hatchet harry oh yeah and also dexter fletcher a third, wow. a third one must have been pretty young at that yeah, point. He was, he was, he's credited as Kid. Kid. <laughs> right, Kid. Um, oh, great. Um, well, shall we move on then? What's uh, what's at number four? Well, I know what's at number four, actually. Shall I tell them? Uh, yeah, sorry. Before we go on, uh, a follower of mine on Instagram called... Uh, Ma- I'm sorry if I pronounce her name wrong. Uh, Mari- uh, Maria Polit- uh, Palaccio. She wrote a movie called Bella Mafia. I've never heard of that movie. Nor have I. Might give it a watch. She did say it's one of her favorites. She wrote the film. 
No, she didn't write it. She said it's one of her favorites. She said ever since. So seen... she wrote that to you. Yeah, you, she wrote. The she you wrote sound, that. The way you said the way you said that made it sound like she wrote the movie and was suggesting it. So which, fair enough. She, yeah. like, she, you know. she said it's one of her favorite uh, films. Uh, if you want to follow her on Instagram, her profile name is Wonderlust Filmmaker. Uh, so number four, people, is uh, one of my favorite films, um, French film, also from the 1930s. Um, so, you know, we're ha- representing that decade uh, alongside the Roaring Twenties. And it is um, Pepe Lamoco, uh, which is um, a film about a, 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 um, a gangster who goes to hide out in Algeria, in Algiers, in the Casbah. Um, uh, he is hunted by the, the French uh, colonial police and the, the local police. And um, he can't leave the Casbah uh, or he'll get arrested. Um, the Casbah being the sort of network of narrow streets and alleyways and hiding, hidey holes and all this stuff. But of course, he falls in love with a visiting woman from Paris and that unravels all his dreams. And, um, uh, and tragedy is, of course inevitable but um all these gangster films we've mentioned have tragedies in them (laughs) oh yeah pretty much all of them um but um that's fine uh crime doesn't pay ladies and gentlemen but um Pepe Namoko is one of the most stylish films of the 1930s it is um it's just so beautifully done it was a huge influence on um on the third man directed by Carol Reed in terms of how urban landscapes and are used and lighting and street scenes and so on um it's um it's got a fabulous performance in the lead role from jean gabin um i was gonna ask if it was jean gabin because i wasn't quite yeah. sure if it was him yeah and um it's um you know he he's the you know one of the coolest actors uh, ever to grace our screens uh certainly one of the coolest actors of the 19 19- uh 30s there's also a great performance from the 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 policeman who hunts him uh sliman uh played by lucas gridu um and um yeah it's uh it's a um it, it, it's really a, a, a treat uh, to watch. It's very widely available, um, currently streaming on HBO and the Criterion channel and available to rent on iTunes. So no excuse not to watch it. Um, I think the, and, oh, and it's directed by the way, by Julien Duvivier. Um, so, you know, serious kudos, uh, serious, um, you know, chops behind the camera as well. Um, you know, it is just a completely, um, it is completely thoroughgoingly stylish uh, movie with um, genuine suspense and humor and um, pathos in places, um, and a lot of romance too. Um, and 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 just, I love what a product of its time it is. It's kind of a document of a of a pre-war France as well, you know, of a kind of of a completely different era and. Um, you know, Duvivier, um, the director, uh, just just does such a great job of bringing this like criminal underworld to life. And this, um, you know, there is some location shooting in um, in Algiers, um, you know, but a lot of it, of course, is done on on sets. Um, and it's, I think, it would make a great pairing with the Battle of Algiers. It was remade um, in the United States, but I don't think the remake is very good. Um, but you, the, anyone, what was the remake? can't remember um something morocco or like moonlight in algiers i, I can't remember um moonlight let me see what are in algiers. remake uh was oh it's just called algiers um so yeah 
It was made a year later. Um, but had, that film is forgotten, but Pepe Lomoco is justifiably well remembered as a great movie. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't have that much to say about it uh, beyond that. I, I kind of don't want to spoil it for people, but um, it's truly a classic. And um, and I think it will become one of your favorites if you watch it. Yeah, it does seem to, It does. from what I've been reading here on Wikipedia, apparently the character was also a, a influence on the Looney Tunes character, Pepe Le Pew. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so um, so um, there's your there's your pop culture connection of the final missing ingredient. But watch it and think about the third man um, as well, because it has such a such a clear influence on that film. Um, anyway, we should move up the list uh, because time is short. What yeah. is at number three? Uh, at number three is one of my top favorite Coen Brothers films, which doesn't get talked about as much, is uh, Miller's Crossing, which was the film that I think, from what, I, from what I've read about the Coen Brothers, they had a very hard time trying to write this movie, and then they ended up, they took a break from it and then wrote Barton Fink, which is a film about a guy who has writer's block. Mm-hmm. which i think is quite and also a very good film it's a really really good film great gangster film you got just you got albert finney you got gabriel Burke. wait a second i was saying martin finger's a good film yeah. but also miller's film but, but um, both films are great uh both films are extremely underrated yeah. but you know miller's crossing miller's crossing is tremendous yeah it just it's a real it like it really is kind of a throwback to like the 30s gangster films in would you agree with that or maybe it takes it a little bit further yeah, I think so. I think this film, uh, there were two of our top three films set in the 30s. And this film, I think, feels like it could have been actually made in the 30s, which I think is a great credit to the Coen brothers, but also um, is a, a, a nod to the way in which they're playing with the genre. Um, there's so many... Um, so many iconic scenes in this and so many great performances you know you've got your Marshall Gay Harden and then um Gabriel Byrne and as you say I uh, got Albert Finney and this film came up also on our on our shootouts list uh because it has this this brilliant shootout featuring oh um, Danny featuring boy Albert. the pipes yeah. the pipes are calling um and um uh very very uh, uh, uh intricate plot but i think you know that you've also got to remember that uh the the great performances by um uh oh what's his name the the bald uh guy um john uh, john john polito john polito and john totoro the two johns um who sort of form form a core of the action around the movie and then it, and it finishes with a third man references uh reference if you can believe it that does, so yeah yeah that's true two two two, two third man um Films on the same list. Now, is the third man a gangster film? Uh, well, it isn't. We can't, it's not on our list, so we can't. But just say no. No. Uh, <laughs> but, it's it's an espionage film. It's an espionage film. Is it though? It's not really about spies. It's more about criminals. Black market movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a black market movie. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Um, it's very hard to do these lists, people. Um, and. Um, yeah. So, um, so no. It, I mean, Miller's Crossing is 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 really a job. I mean, it's. I think a lot of people think, oh, Coen Brothers film. This is going to be really wacky and kind of funny and stuff. It's 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 much more atmospheric than than that. It's it bears 
a lot of resemblance to um, Barton Fink, I think, actually, in terms of its mood. Yeah. And also to um, Blood Simple, but but it has such a sense of style. And and they're, the way they, you know, because they, they're not really known for doing period films, but they really evoke the period so well. And um, Very authentic in production this, design and set design. Yeah, and it has this lush kind of noiry feeling to it. And um, uh, and I just love Gabriel Byrne's kind of hangdog um performance in the main part and uh that that you know the refrain of what's the rumpus and um but yeah finney is is tremendous and yeah this film should definitely be better known and more watched and um i hope that those of you who haven't seen it do because uh it's it's a treat Mm. it also does feature one of my favorite scores from carter burwell in the who um who wrote you know he's done all the music on on their films, not so much with No Country for Old Men because there's barely any music in that film, but um, no, the music in Miller's Crossing is beautiful, and it was the last film yeah. that they had Barry Sonnenfeld as a cinematographer before he went off to do uh, movies, and then Roger Deakins was, you know, he came on to do Barton Fink after that, and they went off to do many movies together, the Coen Brothers and Roger Deakins. Mm. Who's the director who's got a cameo in this film? Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they, I memorable. mean, the Coen brothers and Sam Raimi, they go way back. So it makes sense that they cameo, that he has a cameo in that film. I think Joel Cohen worked on one of Sam Raimi's movies called Crime Wave. Mm. Um, a film that does not feature on this list. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, so Miller's Crossing, wonderful. Any, any other thoughts on that before we move on to the top two? Um, it does feature one of John Turturro's best performances. I think yes, I think he's absolutely. he's good at playing like Weasley characters, but he in this film he's actually very. I I, I think John Turturro is very underrated as a villain. Yeah, and he pulls it yes. off very well. Yeah, I mean, and I think he, um, he almost tricks us, you know, in some ways that there's this scene where he's supposed to be killed, and he talks the mayor, he talks Gabriel Byrne out of killing him, and um. And he talks us kind of out of wanting him to die. But by the end of the film, you know, we really do. Because he's such a menace. He's a great performance. And you need you need a good actor in a role like that. Um, and um, yeah, no, and, and I think it's it's such a, it's it's got, I think the humour in it is not as broad as their films usually are, but there is a humour in it. There is a sort of dryness in this film that I really like. Um, and um and it's just, it's very cool. It's a very cool movie. It is uh, a very cool films. film. Also, it's about the true of a lot of these films, uh, actually, and uh, Pepe Lomoco especially. Um, so, yeah, if we ever did, like, a top ten of cool movies, these would certainly both be in the, be in contention. What um, what about, let's move up the list and go to the top two. What's, what's at number two? So at number two is uh, one of the, one film that has made a very, very, very good impression on me. Um, is the film City of God from Brazil. Which I have not seen. It came out in the early noughts, right? 2002. And it was uh, nominated for four Academy Awards at the the Academy Awards in 2004. Cinematography, director, editing, and writing. Wow. Yeah, it's supposed to be just beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful. An epic, violent, it's you know, it doesn't shy away from the violence. It, it's there's violence towards 
children, which is actually very hard hitting. And it, it's it because it takes place in the slums of Rio de Janeiro. So it's really trying to show how bad it was back in, in that in that period, like because it takes place in the 60s and it's it, it it's it, it starts off really well. It really sets the tone very well because it's it starts. It's basically these gangsters, these these street gang is trying to ch- they're chasing down a chicken who's trying to escape from being chopped up and being made into food. And it's sort of symbolizing the, the people who are trying to get out before they get killed or in, get caught up in some gangland shooting or something. Up. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a really, really, really stark way to like, to, to begin the film. And it's, you know, it's filmed in a very documentary style. So it feels very real and there's no, there's no real actors in the film. I think everyone was kind of just handpicked out of, you know, from, you know, where they could find, there's no real, there's no real well-known Brazilian actors in, it, there's no real, known Brazilian Brazilian actors in the movie and it, and it just it, so it really kind of sell you really feel like you're watching like someone just f- like a documentary crew going into the slums and capturing like all these gangland shootings and violence and um it's it's really well done and it's all narrated from the point of view of one of these the these the these kids who sort of follows through the action and him and, and his brother he he had a brother who was a you know a, a criminal and like a fame like a you know a, a folk hero kind of like bonnie and clyde kind of kind of guy and then he goes to be like a photojournalist and all that sort of stuff and how he's connected to some of the characters who end up you know being criminals and dying young and all that sort of stuff i think it, it is based on true story on a, it's it's based on true stories no, it sounds amazing. It's a, it's um, a great, I mean, it's, it's a great film. Films that, it's it's a film that gets consistently uh, talked about and quoted, and it's a shame, it's a, a um, embarrassing that I've not seen it. Um, but yeah, I feel like your belief in it warrants its uh, placement at number two. Um, and you know, it's important to recognize as well that um, there is, you know, a great deal of of. You know, there are a great deal of urban spaces and criminal, uh, you know, uh, cultures around the world that need to be brought to the screen. So I think it's good that we've talked about that. But obviously, the, the underlying point, I think, beyond that is that, you know, in Brazil and in other countries uh, across the world, you know, crime is so often the product of, you know, systemic inequality and and uh, and kind of, you know, segregation and uh, be that on like class or racial grounds. And of course, Brazil has huge problems with um, anti-black racism, which is, um, you know, something that Bolsonaro obviously has been, uh, you know, guilty of fermenting even more. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's also interesting that, you know, these films so often deal with a, in the case of like American or British films, maybe ethnic minorities living in those places or ethnic, certain ethnic groups being the formation of the gangster culture. And in, you know, in other countries, I think they show just how the city life and the sort of the competitiveness and the nastiness of city life breeds a kind of um, criminal world that in some ways is, you know, actually suits the powers that be because it creates the raison d'etre for you know overly militarized police forces etc so yeah there's my little soapbox moment but yeah. um but yeah city of god yeah give it a uh, watch 
one last little thing on City of God. It's very well structured, like because it always it does a lot of flashbacking and flash f- going back and forth, and and it's sort of it's not chronological the way the sort of story goes because it's like at some points it like explains how a certain character got to this point and it sort of goes back and see shows everything from that character's point of view. It's really really interesting film and it's really really cool and it's uh, very it's 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 unflinching and in what it's trying to prove in in regards to violence and the sort of the the dark nature of the film very good um so what shall we shall we shall we go straight to number one then yeah so straight to number one is another film that came out in 2002 uh that is sam mendez his first no sorry his second film after just after american beauty and that is the gangster film road to perdition yeah, so where American Beauty, I think, has not aged particularly well and might not be as interesting as people thought when it first came out, I think this film has. Road to Perdition, I saw it in the cinema when it um, was released, and I just loved it. It was one of those films... I've not had very many experiences of watching a film in the cinema and coming out and being like, shit, that might be one of the best films I've seen, uh, it, it, you know, on a big screen. And um, and that was one of them, and I, I just love it. I... Um, I love I love the performances. I love the um, the story. I also love that this film has a sense of it being kind of the swan song of a particular era of filmmaking. And I say that because yeah, it's true. It features uh, the last on-screen performance of Paul Newman, who is brilliant in this film. It is the greatest exit any actor has made. I think. Um, maybe you know you talk about some great final performances it's very rare that that actors can kind of pick a great final performance um but this one is just so perfect um for newman and um and the the scene where he his character meets his end is just not just beautifully done but like achingly moving um you've also got conrad hall the cinematographer uh, last this film, is his last life. film yeah he died yeah. after well he died before the movie came out so yeah yeah and it, it was his last movie the film is dedicated to him and his obviously the this the cinematography is speaks for itself um i mean the the, the rest of the the movies a, a who's who of, of brilliant people um you know sam mendes obviously the director but then the cast features stanley tucci daniel craig kieran hines um tom hanks jude law <laughs> jude law is amazing in this film jude law is an inconsistent performer, shall we say, but he is extremely good in this movie. Um, he's creepy and, as fuck. Um, exactly. I shoot the dead. Um, he's, oh, he's, that scene's he's, so good. It's such a he, good scene. He could do, I mean, I think Jude Law could do no wrong at this point uh, in his career, and um, although maybe he could, uh, as certain choices he made showed, but, you know, in this this performance is right up there with his performance in Sound and Mr. Ripley. And... Um, and yeah, it's it's such an, uh, a fantastic film. So the the basic story is that um, you've got Tom Hanks is a is an is a um, hitman or a sort of <laughs> what's it that Chichi says in The Godfather? He's a button guy. He's button a button guy, guy for a, for a, for Paul Newman, who's a big time Irish gangster in um, somewhere in the Midwest and Chicago. Um, we're sort of set in Chicago that he Newman's. Network oh, yeah, is kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. They go to Chicago later in the film. Yeah. yeah. In any case, it's set in the Midwest, and um, and yeah, and it all something goes. There's a there's there's some intrigue within the the operation, and anyway, it all uh, it all um, 
kind of uh, comes to a head and with um, the brattish and unhinged son of uh, Paul Newman, played by Daniel Craig, killing half of, of Tom Hanks's family. And so he goes on the run with his oldest son. And it's a it's it's this thing in a, in a gangster film, the, the last thing you'd expect uh, is a, a father-son kind of um, coming-of-age picture. But that's what you get. And it works. It's not like a Spielberg thing. And people are turning off this podcast and being like, that sounds bullshit. But no, it really, really works. It's 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 got just the right amount of kind of cutesy sentimentality, um, but because it's not directed by Spielberg or someone else, it, it never kind of boils over into something frothy and crap. Um, and so I just think it's a very lovely film, uh, a very sad film, um, but just beautiful. And, and in places in, incredibly uh, action-packed and exciting with great shootouts and great. I remember when you watch it in the cinema, the gunfire, I remember being so loud and so like, you know visceral and um yeah particularly in like the first scene like where there's actually yeah. any gun violence it comes out of nowhere pretty fast i remember because i saw this movie quite young as well and it made a, another film that made a pretty good impression on me as well it was just really like holy shit that was that that was quite shocking <laughs> and yeah and, it's, hot, um, and you know and raises raises your pulse a little bit because you're just on edge the entire film now because that's you know because a kid witnesses a moment of violence and that's that's it that's you know now he knows who his father is right and um and it is a um it's also a film that's you know it's a moment that tells you that this film is not going to let you rest you know that anything can and will happen um and um and i again brilliant evocation of of period and um you know I, I, a film that really feels like the 30s but it doesn't feel like it was made in the 30s where miller's crossing is a sort of a throwback to the way films were made i feel like this film this film feels like a product of its time to some degree it's quite actually quite kind of a 90s feeling film in terms of its narrative structure and its storytelling yeah. but it has for me yeah it has that end of an era thing it's like one of the last great truly kind of hollywoody films um it, it does not and that it, it's made with a even though i say it's not made like a film from the 30s it could it does fit with a you know with that with a on the continuum you know it could be a film from the 50s uh it could be uh, in that mold and i think it just has that stamp of old time hollywood kind of authority yeah. um that um you know has kind of dissipated and in a, in a it, it, and rightly in, in some ways has dissipated uh in the era of, of streaming and so on it, but this this has um this has sort of real studio heft um and um and i like it for that and it doesn't but it doesn't feel like a throwback it feels like a film just a good a bloody well made film of its time and with some of the best talent available and um yeah, I, mean, I just, I just think it's, uh, I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, uh, and I uh, think, uh, yeah, I, I, definitely one of my favorite films. Yeah, Sam Mendes really flexes his directing muscles in this movie more than he did on American Beauty, where he won a Best Directing Oscar. I would have given him a yeah, best. This film should be much better known than American Beauty for sure. Yeah, and also, you know, Conrad Hall's cinematography is amazing, particularly in that that scene in the rain with the shootout that's done in silence yeah. and the music by Thomas Newman is so good. And just like 
Paul Newman's I'm glad it's you. <laughs> That's such a sad uh, thinking about it now, it's such a like sad moment as oh, well. So but also, like, it, it's it's good acting from both Tom Hanks and Paul Newman in that moment. And I don't know, it's just scenes in the rain and nineteen in those kinds of movies with people in suits and jackets and hats. It's just I like that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, although you are describing also like a, a boys' own video. Uh, I mean, a, a what Backstreet Boys video. <laughs> so, um, be, Long yeah. coats. Um, <laughs> they were like yeah, hats and I mean that's also <laughs> when you describe rain hats and suits, it's like well that does sound like like a lot of '90s music videos. Um, but yeah, uh, but true. I understand what, understand what you're saying. Anyway, that um, was our. Um, that was our number one. And yeah. uh, should we just quickly review the top ten again? Yeah, I just want to say Tom Hanks, oh, amazing. There's always one more thing with But you. I just want to say, like Tom Hanks's performance, like he's so believable as that character. Like that, it's such that's a- true. And that's it's not a very Hanksian role. You're right. It, 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 I shouldn't have skipped over that. Hanks is very, very good at playing a non classically tom hanks part that's true this this feels very close to his part in uh, saving private ryan it has a lot of that sadness uh and darkness in it um and um yeah it's a i mean this is a very interesting stage of his career too um because you know he's kind of past that mid-90s miraculous period with philadelphia and forrest gump and he's playing i think he's more interesting and in this point uh of his of his career anyway um mm. g- great role from him right shall we review the top 10 yes uh so at number 10 was dillinger number nine donnie brasco eight the roaring 20s seven mean streets six snatch five the long good friday four pepe limoco three miller's crossing two city of god and number one road to perdition and I thought you read most of those, like the guy who does the football results, and Reading one, Accrington Stanley two. Uh, you know, so um, I sounded like yeah. I sounded like the guy like reading off like train stations on like in like water, like Waterloo Station or something like that. Yeah. In any case, um, that's great. You really injected some drama into that. Um, but good. I hope people enjoyed it. And uh, what are we talking about next time? Uh, I'm kind of curious about the move. No, not the movie. Well, I'm curious about all movies, but like the list that that uh, you've been putting together on our little thing of like of our top 10 lists and that is uh films that we would like to see remade or films that could be remade or something like that yes so this is something um we were chatting off mic about this and um coming up with a film that we thought could do with a remake and then we were like hang on a minute we could do a list of films that we it could be remade and i'm i'm against remakes on generally speaking but there are certain films where it works the coen brothers true grit for example mm. um it's a great oceans remake. 11 oceans 11 fantastic remake in fact you know better than the original um you know lots and lots of examples across film history where um you know a star is born etc etc um so um so yeah so write in with your films that you think uh should be remade uh, and we will read them out. Uh, what is the email address that people want to write to us? Homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Or they can tweet us at homesmoviespod. Or they can write to us on Instagram, which would be a weird thing to do, but they can do that anyway. Um, they can write to you at Fabricius91. Or they can write to me at. Wait a minute. What's my Instagram handle? Uh, Adam.h.homes, I think. Uh, yeah. No, sorry. Wait, um, so, so, so at Fabricius91 is my Twitter 
Twitter name. Oh, you fucking <laughs> pillar. <laughs> Anders F. Holmes is my Instagram profile. You are an idiot. Uh, and um, yeah, so there's some ways of getting in touch. Uh, we'll post about it on social media and you can uh, comment. Um, and uh, Anders will actually remember to check the email. Um, and uh, yeah, right. Cool. Well, let's go. Yes. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Mm-hmm. You made that joke last time. I know. I just, I just like that line. That's all. And we don't. The whole point was not to talk about the Godfather. Um, I did not so, care uh, for the Godfather. Uh, let's uh, let's call it a day. Goodbye. Let's call it a day or evening, depending on where we are. Yeah, a long, a long, good podcast. <laughs>